The following program is intended for mature audiences. Shalom and welcome to the synagogue. This is a podcast for consenting adults for information, education, and entertainment on BDSM, sexuality, and all things related. If you're not a legal, enthusiastically consenting adult, then pick up the needle, press forward, or turn the radio off. For those who remain, now might be a good time to switch to your headphones. <laughs> Welcome to the synagogue. I am your host. They call me the rabbi. Pretty fly for a rabbi. I put the sin in synagogue, and I am a cisgender, ambimorious, gynosexual, sadistic, bratty, daddy doll. Sex therapist by day, kink educator by night, and in both these roles, I help people make their kink a religious experience. While I am a mental health professional, this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a replacement for therapy. Seek out the assistance of a trained professional for help with your specific situation. Hosting with me today is my partner, my ADHD, squirrel wrangler, my submissive, my brat, my little, my pony, or just my little pony, the Robin to my Batman little bit. Hello, everyone. This is episode number one, and with us today is Linworth to talk about the topic of attending your first time or your first play party. Uh, so you're thinking of going to your first play party. You've seen images on social media, have your hopes for what that first experience might look like, but what can you really expect and how the hell are you supposed to act? Uh, we'll start by talking about play party etiquette, exploring the social norms of how to interact with others, how to watch and participate in scenes, and other general concepts to help you prepare for a stress-free, fun, and hopefully sexy time. Then we'll discuss what attendees might hope for from their first experience. But first, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> Linworth, they, them, originally came from the scene as an anthropology student stumbling into the Ohio leather and kink realm. Since then, as anthropologists would say, they have gone completely native, adopting the kink lifestyle as their own. After more than a handful of years, they have settled into their main kink of rope bondage with the occasional bout of seomasochism. While normally the shy type, their passion for education brings out their spunky side. Whether teaching on consent, culture, rope, or the safe practice of all things kinky, they bring a sense of charm and excitement to the classroom. They are also a proud organizer and volunteer based in Columbus, Ohio, who on occasion makes it further afield. Given the chance, they will gladly talk your ear off about all the projects they're currently working on to better the community. Thank you for being here in the synagogue, Linworth. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for the intro. Glad to be here with you all tonight. Not a problem. So, I thought attending your first play party would be a great topic for our first podcast. Tell us about it. Sure. So, uh, this topic originally was a blog that I just made up, put in a few places, including my FetLife profile. I, I turned it into a class, um, and I'll go ahead and put in a plug here. There is an organization that I have been volunteering with and doing other things for here in Columbus, Ohio. 
um, called Wicked Eden. It's backed by a nonprofit, the Autonomy Project. And yes, uh, this is a class that I taught for them. Um, so yeah, you can check that out. Uh, I, as you mentioned, Rabbi, was an anthropology minor um, in undergrad and my main research work that I did for that was cultural anthropology. So the class is largely uh, written through that lens. So I don't know, what more can I tell you here? Well, uh, for our listeners who haven't attended a play party, how can you prepare for it? Oh my goodness. So I would say more than anything, go in with an open mind. You may have seen or heard things about what a play party looks like. It's more than a sex party. It's more than people that are going to just be, uh, you know, wailing on each other with whatever implement. It is a cultural experience. Um, and so I would say when you're going into a play party, just know that this experience is going to be unlike anything you've probably been in. Our society at large isn't as accepting of some of the kink behaviors that you're going to see. And that I, I set the class up by talking about like what is the definition of culture. Um, and the way I like to think of it is as a set of shared values, beliefs, norms, behaviors, and customs that shape the way people interact, make decisions, and work together. And so go in knowing that there are going to be quote-unquote social norms, but that these norms are subjective and flexible to the situation and that you are in. Um, so there are like... There are concepts to think about or... So going into your first play party, I would consider introductions. In most cases, you're gonna be keeping it super casual and no pressure. Uh, if someone wants to engage, you'll pick up on that. And if it becomes a conversation, great. If not, that's cool. There's a lot going on um, and that's not on you. So just know that Conversations can be fleeting in these environments, and that's totally okay. Also, not every introduction or conversation is going to lead to a connection or play. In fact, I would encourage folks at their first play parties probably holding off on bringing up the idea of play until you get to know someone. Um, this is a relationship-building exercise as much as it is in any other environment. Um, there are some exceptions to what... I would call casual, and that would be high protocol. For individuals not really familiar with high protocol, those can be seen in MS or master slave or dominant submissive type events. For people in submissive headspace who are in a service space, they will be very focused on what it is they're doing as an active service for the person that they, let's say, report up to. And so I would consider asking that person for permission before interacting or just being hands off. Um, so Rabbi, there are some culture ideas sprinkled in here that not everyone might be familiar with and I did my best, but is there anything there that I can extrapolate on? Um, I think people would wanna know, how do you know if this person is in service headspace? That is a good question. Oftentimes you don't. <laughs> and so, um, 
it, that's a tricky one. So if they're wearing a collar, if they're not making eye contact with you or are avoiding eye contact with you, if they're not speaking with you, there's a good chance that they may be in service. Um, there are other scenarios as well, but this is a really good clue as to that is a thing that's going on. Um, yeah, also they might just correct you or, or give you a gentle nudge that, hey, I'm busy right now. <laughs> Hopefully it's somebody that, you know, um, you is approachable and if you are incorrect, we'll give you a different, uh, a gentle nudge to, um, let you know that, you know, it's, it's not appropriate or something or another like that. Yes. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Gentle nudges always appreciated, uh, in any scenario. Um, I guess to go on about introductions, most spaces, Nowadays, support or encourage the use of pronouns in introductions. If they don't, I would consider whether that is the right place for you. And finally, I would consider introducing yourself to the organizers. They're people too. They love hearing from their attendees, and especially when it involves a thank you for their hard work of putting together a party uh, for you to enjoy. Before upon arrival to a party, familiarize yourself with rules particular to the party and venue. Um, there are some standards, um, but also variations depending upon the locale or geographic region, the subculture that the party is taking place in, whether it's a private or public party, uh, whether it's play or education oriented is another way of looking at how things might vary. I would say that private parties, such as house parties, can be a little bit more laid back with less defined rules. Um, if you are at a private play party, you've probably been vetted or checked out as somebody who can be trusted to operate with good judgment in this atmosphere. Um, so I mentioned that rules can be affected by locale or geographic region. Um, when you're looking at your rules, you might see some things that seem a little bit strange and that could be impacted by local law. As an example, here in Columbus, Ohio, we're uh, included uh, in Franklin County law and the breaking of skin is not allowed at a lot of events. This is tied actually to laws around licensure for piercing and tattooing. And so at a public play party, um, that's not something that you can do legally. Private play parties or member only events is a little bit of wiggle room. I guess I would say with anything in kink, that privacy is paramount. Um, as part of that, looking into whether phones are allowed to be out, and the reason is that those have cameras on them. When I first entered the scene, we didn't have to worry about that as much, but now that there are cameras and watches, anything that you can take uh, photos with, and if those photos were to get out, it could threaten people's livelihoods, their interpersonal relationships. Sometimes rules are tied to that sort of thing. And again, just check out the house rules before you go in. And again, when you're at the party. I know in some parts of the country, they just won't let any electronic devices in for fear that it has a camera. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I was thinking earlier today of, a news reporter 
that went into a kink party at a VOA in Detroit many years ago, and this was before camera phones. They had like a button sewn onto their shirt that had a teeny tiny camera. Ruined people's lives. Be and part of that is like the kink community, very much like the LGBTQ community, but also very different, does have a history of persecution by law enforcement. And so there are sections of the community that are very old school and not allowing, as you said, uh, electronics at all into their spaces. Um, there are spaces where photography is encouraged, actually. I would say that in rope bondage circles, it's pretty encouraged um, just due to the highly aesthetic nature of this form of kink. However, um, consent is key, and this is something that I'll touch on a lot as we talk here. Consent for getting anyone in the frame or the lens before you take a photo is something that you want to be very mindful of. Anything to bounce off of with uh, electronics, privacy, stuff like that? Um, I know at some play parties they will give you different color wristbands to indicate if you're okay with getting your picture taken. Uh, mm -hmm. Some don't do that kind of thing. Uh... I was going to say that besides like that, some play parties may have a designated photo area, but I don't know if you have that experience. So like a designated photo area for different things or speaking with a dungeon monitor or the person who's running the, um, the area to see if, or the party mm -hmm. to see if, hey, can we get a few people out of the scene so that way we can take a photo if you've had that experience? I don't know that I've run into that particular scenario, but dungeon monitors, play space monitors, the folks looking after the space and everyone's safety, definitely someone that you can tap. I have seen photo booths at parties, more so at conventions, um, but that's a really good point, as well as the wristband that is signaling to people that you're okay to have your photo taken. Those are really good things to remember. Thank you. Now, you mentioned um, some things vary by local laws, and uh, can you give us, like, the most typical examples of what those variations are because of laws? Sure. So... There was the Franklin County law. I would say that exposure is a big example. Um, and then sex and how is sex defined. To think about exposure, that would mean like how much of the breast is covered, are the genitals covered, that sort of thing. Uh, in Wayne County, Michigan, 50% of the breast has to be covered at all times at more public events. Um, and then sex and how sex is defined is a really interesting one when it comes to the law. Uh, we are in a very, you know, Puritan origin story country. In most states, sex in public spaces not allowed. And I, I mean, I would venture that's probably not a thing in many places. And so definitely checking the rules um, that will vary based on is this a pre-vetted event or is it one you can just buy a ticket at the door? It's going to vary a lot by state and event. I mean, I would throw fire on that list. That seems to vary a lot. Oh, yes. 
That's a good one too. Yes, that's uh, uh, where we've been to different areas. Um, well, actually, some regions or larger larger reasons regions. I'm sorry that prefer you laying down for fire play, but then there's some places that they actually prefer you upright. Oh, that's interesting. I've, wow, never seen that. Well, I, I was referring more to if fire play is allowed at all. <laughs> well, that's cool. I learned something new today. I know some places that they limit as to what type of penetration is allowed versus not. Or if penetration is allowed. Yes, I think that's an interesting thing because it can be not only dictated by the law, but also the sensibilities of the people hosting. And that's when we get into some really interesting, like where does this idea come from in this subculture? I mean, one of the big myths out there about BDSM is that it is always about sex and that just isn't the case. And some people really frown on mixing sex with kink. And some people are, you know, why would you do kink without the sex? And uh, that's sometimes reflected in the parties and their rules. Totally. And I feel like, additionally, there are some areas of kink where sex has been removed due to a history of people exploiting people. Um, the rope scene is a really good example of that. It's all really fascinating if you think about, like, where is this coming from in different communities. So I, that actually would dovetail into another thing I like to talk about when you're considering going to your first event or play party, and that is what I would consider a universal rule. That's what I would consider a universal rule. Uh, the ethics of kink, consent. So there are people that like could do standalone classes, conversations for days and days, but that's not what this particular podcast episode is about. Um, to give some clip notes as it has to do with going to your first play party, I would say just don't touch without consent. That includes people, whether that be play or casual touch, like a hug you want to ask first. Um, Consent is ongoing, so anytime, say, hey, can I give you a hug at your second play party you see someone at? Make sure that consent is enthusiastic. People aren't humming and hawing, that they are into it. I would also say for the no touching without consent, that includes objects that people bring with them to parties, such as toys, rope, maybe furniture, if they decided to lug that along. The overall idea is just don't be a dick. Like, <laughs> consent is key to everything that we do, especially in kink, where we're doing super highly charged things. Um, yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so for the people who just wandered into this podcast, how do you find your first play party? Ooh, that's a good question. So when I started, and this isn't immediately answering the question, but when I first started, I found kink community through Yahoo groups. 
if any of you remembers Yahoo groups. That's how I found it. Eventually, FetLife came along. And this was the first real outlet for social media, including posting of events that I am aware of. That might have been different in bigger metropolitan areas, but for someone in Ohio, that's what we had. Um, so I would say FetLife is a really good place for finding events. More and more as cultural acceptability of kink becomes a thing, Facebook is a place where some of the more, I, I don't know, vanilla flavored or vanilla masked events, you can find those. I would say Instagram as well. If you're first, first, first going out and finding events to go to. As you continue to explore the community and make connections, you'll start hearing about other things as well, or with mouth. But yeah, social media, for better or worse, is where you can start to find things. Oh, but also, sex shops. I'm pretty sure the first convention that I ever saw, or heard of rather, was from a hand flyer at a store that no longer exists here in Columbus uh, that sold BDSM goods. And this was like baby Linworth Kinkster going to a sex store, being titillated by the fact that there are collars and it, yeah, so sex drawers, you'll see flyers and stuff too. So what would you say to the person who is ready to go to their first party and they're just a ball of nerves? How, how would you calm them down? How would I calm them down? Be present. Just let this experience wash over you. It's not going to be like anything you've necessarily been to before. Uh, let go of preconceptions. Don't pressure yourself to have any particular experience. Just be your authentic self, honestly. Um, by authentic self, I mean just being true to who it is that you are. Pink spaces are amazing places to experience one's authentic self and explore things that you can't really explore elsewhere or maybe start to explore them, even if they're an idea. So just relish your first play party. Be present and interact at whatever level it is that comes up. And you should never feel pressured to play. Uh, there's no requirement to do that when you go. You can go and just watch, right? Yes, indeed. And, I mean, there are pieces of guidance for even just watching, I would say, when it comes to that whole play party etiquette thing. Um, but I, I do want to circle back and say, yeah, you don't need to play. <laughs> if someone approaches you to play and you don't feel enthusiastic about it, then don't. Just be present and observe, talk to people if you want to, that sort of thing. Watching scenes does have etiquette as well. Um, I'll go ahead and say that there are a few definitions of scenes. One would be a local community, for example, the Columbus, Ohio scene. Another would be the culture at large, for example, the BDSM scene or the leather scene. 
And then the third, which is what I am talking about when I say watching a scene, is a set time and space in which a number of people most often to agree to interact in a particular manner. And this is what play parties, by and large, are a container for, is a number of scenes going on between the attendees. Um, this is probably what you've seen snippets of in pop culture, maybe not happening in a party itself, but like this is where rubber hits the road with people doing their thing with kink. So I guess when it comes to etiquette, I would say that scenes involve only the parties that negotiated that scene. So unless you've been invited, don't enter. This would include not touching, asking participants questions or not asking questions because that would be interruptive, not making loud commentary or stepping into a scene's physical space. Sometimes you might see a, a group scene. Those people negotiated in advance. This is not a free for all you to jump in on. Um, so just being mindful, only the parties that negotiated that scene in advance are supposed to be participating. I mentioned physical space as something to be mindful of. That would include the backswing of floggers or whips, walking under a rope hard point or the theme people are literally suspending their bodies off of. I would watch for and think about the potential movement going on around a scene, stay out of that and then add another five or eight feet. Also just keeping in mind giving personal space, not hovering, not being creepy and staring. This is an etiquette thing, right? There are transition times into and after scenes. So entering and coming out of what I would call headspace or the mind space that people are inhabiting during a scene. Some people know this as subspace, but that's only one side of the equation. Tops will oftentimes be in a headspace of their own. Uh, also being mindful of aftercare, that's the care that people provide to each other after scenes. You don't want to interrupt that because it's an integral part to the process. People are very vulnerable in that time. They've just been through an ordeal of, or an experience of some sort together and you want to be respective of that. So you've used the phrase enthusiastic consent uh, a few times. Can you explain what that means just beyond consent? Sure. So you might actually be able to help me out with this a little bit, but when I say enthusiastic consent, I mean that people are understanding of the scenario that they are about to go into and agreeing to it wholeheartedly. How would you add to that? Um, yeah, it's agreeing wholeheartedly, not being coaxed into it, not being object if you don't like this. It is, yes, I want to do this. I really want to do this. Um, not informed consent. We're going to be doing this. You want a yes, not a met or I sure suppose. Yeah, sure. Because I sure suppose just isn't very clear. I agree. I feel like coerced uh, is a good word for the opposite of enthusiastic. There are other ideas to kind of pick apart there. Those are the ideas of implicit uh, agreements or implicit dynamics. Oftentimes, 
someone new to the scene might feel that they need to agree to do a thing with someone more experienced because of implicit dynamics or like this person knows better than me, I had better just go ahead. That is not enthusiastic consent. <laughs> it's doing this activity with this person at this time and I am all on board for it. Exactly. So yes, it's a good thing. So I had a quick question. You had talked about any person coming in and not touching things and such like that. Mm -hmm. Would you actually recommend for a new person going to their first play party if there was an option for a class or somebody who was offering demos to do something? Would you encourage that person to go for a play party that offers that? Oh, hell yes. I think those are the best ones to go to. A lot of play parties will start out with some sort of educational, like a class or a demo. And sometimes those folks will be around even during the party itself to show you things as well. Um, I would also say as long as people aren't participating in scenes or doing aftercare or whatever, most folks are happy to answer questions about what it is you witnessed as long as you're respectful. But yes, just because I'm saying like, don't touch, don't interrupt, doesn't mean that you can't interact with people outside of those, uh, those set times and spaces, especially educators. There, there are also some parties that are demo nights or they're called exploratorium some places mm -hmm. or tapas where it's just a party and there are a bunch of experienced tops who are doing as many fire scenes as they can on people so they can get a taste of it or rope or needles or whatever it might be. Um, that's a great way to get your foot wet with uh, somebody who should be an experienced top. Yes, those can be super fun. Um, they're also known as bottoming buffets in some circles, although I haven't seen them called that as much in recent years, which is a curious thought. That's a new one for me, but it makes oh, sense. Really? Oh, really? Maybe that's a Columbus thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, let me ask this. Uh, is there a difference in expectations between a party that is held at a dedicated dungeon versus a house party versus one that is at like a, a guest at a swingers club? Oh, that's a good question. I need to think for a second. When you say expectations... Do you mean, can you tell me more about that? Uh, the rules, the unspoken rules, the expectations of what's going to go on, the types of play, anything like that. It's one of those underlying things that people don't always talk about. Yes, so I would definitely say that private play parties are usually a lot more laid back. Um, the rules are less defined. It might be more of a social environment than a play-heavy environment, but when play does happen, it can be more fluid. It can sometimes be more intense than people would be comfortable opening up and doing at a, a public party, for example. If we're thinking about differences in venues, as you mentioned, so like this is a dedicated kink space versus this is the upstairs of a swingers club that we've rented out for the evening. That is a tough one. I think that's very particular to the party itself and what it has established itself as. Now, if you're at a swingers party or if the party is at a swingers club, 
and there's the potential for swingers to, let's say, come from the downstairs, pay a separate cover, and come into the kink space to, like, look at people, that's definitely going to flavor it. If people can come in off the street, um, that sort of thing. Maybe it won't be as intensely kinky. That is a really good question. <laughs> So then my follow-up question is, which one of those three would you recommend to somebody going to their first play party? Mm. I would say probably the walk-in off of the street because that is going to be the lowest pressure and probably a little bit more social. It, it Like everything in life, though, it really depends. But, like, the stakes are usually a lot lower in that environment. Fair. Cool. I know one question I hear a lot from people is, what do I have to wear to something like this? Or what can I wear? Ooh, good question. So sometimes the party will actually have guidelines for that. Like, there will be a dress code. If not... I would go back to the whole idea of being your authentic self. Like, wear whatever makes you feel good, whatever makes you feel sexy, if sexy is what you're aiming for. There have been parties where I've shown up in, like, full formal attire. There have been parties where I've shown up in a tank top and cargo shorts. You definitely want to fit the vibe, <laughs> but honestly just follow the dress code whatever you feel comfortable in sure it's also been a thing that i know sometimes they will use the phrase grandma rules apply in order to get into the door but then there are some places that will say once you arrive there's changing rule sorry changing rooms um to be able to change and dress appropriately for the play party so what are the grandma rules what does that phrase mean? The grandma rules. Do you want to go ahead and jump in since you brought up the idea? Oh, I can. I understood it as grandma rules is clothes or outfits that you would be comfortable wearing around somebody's grandma. Uh, socially appropriate outside of kink space is how I had always looked at it and had defined it. So socially acceptable for the general public uh, versus the kinky public. Same. I've actually, you want to kind of be a little more conservative than you might. There have been conventions that have nearly gotten shut down because people were wearing sexy attire walking through the lobby, even though they didn't think it was that sexy. So like grandma, conservative, good bet. All parts covered that somebody might, you know, fuss about. Indeed. So is there anything else a person needs to know before they go to their first play party? I guess I would just emphasize not having expectations, exercising consent in everything that you would do, and overall just politeness. These parties are a center of community building, and you're an individual participating in that community. As somebody who has never been to a play party, tell me what community looks like in this context. Good question. So community could look like a party that happens once a month where people gather and do 
whatever it is they do that feels kinky to them. That could be flogging, it could be rope, it could be pressure points, or like take down an environment. Um, it's really just gathering and doing the things that you love in a group of like-minded people that you can feel safe doing this thing that isn't accepted elsewhere. It can look like skill sharing, sharing ideas around the themes that we do. It's really just a collective around the idea of kink and how it's okay to be kinky. What are some other community building things that the kink community does? Outside of play parties? Yeah. Sure. So you can go out to these functions called munches, M-U-N-C-H-E-S. It's a social event at a restaurant, sometimes a bar, that you just socialize with like-minded people. And you, you know, keep it clean, kids. Like, we're doing the grandma rule. We're trying to not be too loud about what it is we're talking about. But it, it's a social event where kinky people get together in a more relaxed, not play-centric environment. There are educational events. Uh, I would encourage you, if you're going to a play party, you should probably be going to educational events too so you're educated about what you're seeing and what you will be doing in the future, at future play parties, that is. Educational events, munches, what else? Conventions, I've mentioned conventions. So there are weekends where people get together and kink 24-7. They'll take classes, there'll be play parties every night, there'll be social events, special interest groups at a lot of them. So there's conventions. Am I missing any? Uh, sloshes, which are basically the same thing as munches, but centered around beverage instead of food, is the way I describe it to people. I used to run a slosh, fun fact. Sorry, not sorry. If someone's going, say, to a, a larger convention and it's their first time um, at this convention, that's a play party, and they offer a, hey, you're new, come to this class, would you recommend that? Oh, fuck yeah. Newcomers classes, especially if this is like your first kink event, please do that. This is going to... There's a, a fancy word here. This is going to acculturate you or uh, acclimate you to the particulars of this event and generally just be educational. If someone's going, say, to a, a larger convention and it's their first time um, at this convention, that's a play party, and they offer a, hey, you're new, come to this class, would you recommend that? Yes, and also provide safety guidelines talking about your play space monitors, or some people call them dungeon monitors. These are the people that you'll go to if you need first aid, or if you need to call in additional help, other safety info considerations for the event as well uh, that might be particular to the space that you're in. I know the newbie classes tend to vary a lot from venue to venue. Some require them, some they're optional, some it's you know, here's the bathroom, here's the cross, have fun. <laughs> yes, that's true. And one could ponder the level of responsibility and concern for things like, oh no, let's cut that. 
Uh, let's, yeah, different organizers put different amounts of consideration and emphasis on things like that. I know the one I took when I was first coming in was like a two-part class, and the first one was in the dungeon owner's home, and the second one was actually at the dungeon, and there was talk of, you know, consent, and here's what to expect when we go to the dungeon for the next class, and we got a tour, and I think there were like four of us who took that class, and uh, one has actually wound up being one of my closest friends in the lifestyle, and it has stuck around for just as long as I have. That's really lovely. How cool. I'm trying to think if I, I, I played it fast and dirty. Kids, learn your lesson from me. Probably go to that thing, because I didn't. And boy, you can get into a lot of trouble. As in, like this is going to give you the foundation to know how to advocate for yourself as well. So I was going to say I didn't have in my first play party, um, like I didn't have that education growing up, uh, how I call it, in the kink and leather community. Uh, so there were certain things that was just kind of passed down before I even went to a play party. But I didn't have that whole introduction type of formal education, you know, like that class offered um, at a convention type of thing. However, yeah, uh, I was still... You know, I did, um, and I found it to be rather helpful and actually helps you to get into that headspace to enjoy the entire event, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, and uh, personally, I would recommend to people going to the local slosh or munch before you go to your first play party. Meet people, find somebody you can, you know, cling to uh, if you're nervous at the first play party that's absolutely what we did after that class because we were all nervous so we just kind of moved around in a pack and stuck together oh, that's really cool and yes i i agree that having a point of contact to go into your first play party with super helpful i had that experience as well um after i finished my my cultural anthropology research and like i was upfront with my uh, we call them informants from day one, like I have a personal interest in this, but I need to be removed from participating in that way until I graduate. And then I might show up again, but there's no promises. So I did eventually come back as myself instead of a little anthropology student. And I had those people that were approaching friends, um, friendship level that is, to kind of guide me after I'd been going to their munches for literally months. Um, and two um, older submissive women, they took me to my first play party and they watched after me as my eyes were wide open, jaw dropped at some of the themes that uh, I've never been exposed to before. Um, like I came from a pretty sheltered background and even though I knew I was interested in these scenes, it was still pretty shocking and the fact that I had those nurturing individuals with me, I feel so blessed. Um, I didn't get to go to like an orientation or anything, but I did have those points of contact and that was so, so valuable. 
So that sounds like a good experience as your initial contact and introduction um, to have that contact and support and be able to do that. I don't know if you can answer this question, but I am insanely curious what the research was you were doing. Oh, it was very rudimentary. Like, this is consent. This is how multiple people can interact with each other. This is what BDSM stands for, MS, DS. Uh, it was very rudimentary stuff, uh, but it, it did make up a nice 30-page paper in the end. So what's one thing you know now that you wish you knew at the beginning of your kink journey? All right, this is going to get a little heartfelt. Okay. But I wish that when I entered the kink scene that I knew about enthusiastic consent. I wish that I had known that just because someone has been around longer than I have and because they know more than me, it doesn't mean that they know what's best. Whether that be for me as an individual or for us together. Kink is a very complicated space that we interact with each other in, especially when it comes to our set times and spaces, these scenes, these containers of time and space. Endorphins are high, emotions are high. I wish that I had known that having a strong sense of self and self-determination was okay because it is, and you always need to advocate for yourself. Well, I'm sorry that you had that experience, but I do want to thank you for your vulnerability and then sharing that with us. Of course. So nowadays, what do you look for in a play partner? Ooh, good question as well. So I look for people that appear to have a good sense of self. They appear to know what their emotional landscape is and through those things know how to seek what it is they want and advocate for themselves but also have like some emotional intelligence to be able to meet me in the middle. Some of my favorite forms of kink that I practice these days are very collaborative and creative and so I, I feel like those attributes are necessary for creativity collaboration as well. I'm sorry if that's a very cerebral answer. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. What would you say are is people's uh, biggest mistakes when they go to their first play party and how do you avoid those mistakes? I guess I would circle back to the whole, like, probably just observe and be polite at your first play party. You don't want to act outside of the bounds of the social norms of the space that you're in. Now, as I said at the front, like, social norms are subjective, but just mind your P's and Q's. Don't jump in and start running around naked if you don't know that that's a normal thing to do and probably before you know at least a few people. 
Um, I'm sorry, that might not be the best answer, but really just the idea of being present, observing, not putting pressure on yourself or anyone around you. What is your biggest pet peeve at a play party? Okay, so I'm a rope person, as in I like rope bondage. Um, and I mentioned earlier, like not interfering in the space that people are doing scenes in. For whatever reason, and I don't understand why, people don't understand that this very large object that you're hanging yourself from, like you're suspending yourself from, isn't something that you want to walk under as somebody not hanging yourself from the thing. And I, I just don't get it because one, I could smack you with my rope or kick you, but two, you're in my space, this could become dangerous if you distract me. Like I could drop someone or myself on my head if I am self-suspending. Uh, that's probably my biggest pet peeve is just not respecting people's space. Gotcha. Why are you passionate about rope? Oh, I like rope because it is so versatile in what you can do with it. So both the connection that you build, the construction that you make with it, the aesthetics that you can create, uh, you can take it off into very artistic, even performance art directions, which is something that I tend to do. Uh, I love that there are artistic and scientific considerations. So you're thinking about the engineering of it, you're thinking about the human anatomy that you're tying and making it as, you're, you're mitigating risks as you go. It's really just a big puzzle that you create as you go. It's very collaborative. So like person tying person, or if you're the person being tied, like communicating this works well, this doesn't work well, hey, how about we do this? Uh, it is just a really versatile, very creative form of kink. What is the best compliment you've gotten about your play, about a scene, about your kink? Thinking. I mentioned that I use rope a lot for performance art. And I'm pretty sure some of the most touching compliments that I've gotten have been tied to that. Um, the thing about art is that it speaks to everybody's imagination in a way that it touches their soul. And when you take kink and transform it into art, I think it makes it that much more visceral. So I don't, I'm not thinking of any of those compliments off the top of my head, but I know, I do know that they have been connected to that. So I was looking through some of your pictures today and I saw you have been to Folsom and that is absolutely on my kinky bucket list. What's still on yours? Uh, I want to go to Berlin someday. Um, there's a Rope Educators Conference there that I want to go to, but also Berlin and its club scene is supposed to be phenomenal and also just very different than the American scene. So definitely want to go to Berlin. 
if I can manage it someday, and this is more of like a partnered activity, <laughs> like I can't do this by myself, I would love to go to Tokyo. Um, I don't know that my rope is quote unquote traditional enough to go as a top and I don't have like a dedicated bottom so if I could like latch on to somebody wanting to learn there and go to Tokyo that would be amazing. Sounds like an amazing trip. I think so. I'm getting old though. Okay, well, as we start to wrap up, is there any question that you wish I had asked you? I hate talking about myself, so no. <laughs> I'm really good at making it up, though. Okay, that's fair. Uh, if one of our listeners wanted to follow you on social media, wanted to contact you, what's the best way to do that? So I'm most active on Instagram. Uh, Fet Life and Facebook. On Instagram, you can find me at Linworth underscore rope. On Facebook, you can find me as Lynn, L-I-N, space, worth, W-O-R-T-H. And on Fet Life, you can find me as Linworth. And I will drop those links in the show notes. Well, Linworth, thanks for coming on the show. You've been a great first guest. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing all of your wonderful information and head experiences. That was great. Thank you. Oh. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to you know, be able to contribute. Thank you. For our listeners, upcoming synagogue classes... Uh, both in person and virtual. Uh, we have one on mental health crisis, first aid in the kink community coming up. Uh, we have a few on electric, dollar store domination. Check out our website to find out when and where those are. But that's it. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>
Just a reminder, we try to make our content as inclusive as possible, regardless of gender, orientation, role in the lifestyle, etc. But we do inherently speak from our own point of view. For the most part, substitute our identity with your own to make it work. We want to know when we make a mistake so we can learn and grow from those mistakes. So if you feel like we did say something that is genuinely offensive, we encourage you to let us know. Reach out to us with your questions, comments, or concerns via our website or call us at 469-269-0403. Brought to you today by the letters S and S and the number. San Diego Sasco Football Rules!